On Saturday, October 15th, citizens across British Columbia will go to the polls to elect their next mayor and city council. Today on Coastal Front, we have three special guests joining us with extensive experience covering the political landscape here in Vancouver. I'd like to welcome Francis Bula, George Affleck, and Mo Amir to the show. Specializing in urban issues and Vancouver city politics, Francis covers a broad range of topics affecting the city, such as drug policy, billion dollar development projects, homelessness, and more. She shares her time between writing columns at the Globe and Mail, BC Business, Vancouver Magazine, and as a journalism instructor at UBC. In addition to running as a candidate under the BC Liberal Party and former Vancouver City Councillor, George is the founder and owner of Curve Communications. He's also co-host of Unspun Podcast, a radio host at CKNW, and is a regular columnist at Vancouver Is Awesome. And finally, architect behind the most famous podcast and now talk show in British Columbia, this is Van Culler, which you can find on Czech News. Mo comes with years of journalism and on-air experience on shows such as CBC's On the Coast and also as a regular columnist at Vancouver's Awesome. I'm really looking forward to having you folks here for our 2022 Vancouver election panel. So folks, thanks for being on the show. Thank Great you. To be here. Happy to be here. <laughs> So we want to start off by talking about the big picture. By last count, there were 10 parties signed up for this upcoming election. Those parties made up a total of, uh, as well as independents, a total of 15 candidates for mayor. There's 60 people running for city council, 32 for the park board, and 31 for school trustee. This is a ballot count of 138 names when voters go to the polls on October 15th. So the first question for you folks is, how is this election forming up and looking any different from 2018, if it is at all? I mean, Vancouver, it's sort of standard procedure. I think this is a, it's always a large ballot. Uh, this one I think is a little bit smaller than the last time, um, but the political parties is what's interesting. There's always these new political parties. They think that that's gonna help them surge or provide some kind of energy to get them to vote out and, and get them consolidated. But I think it just confuses voters. They don't know what to do when they look at the ballot. For sure, there. This is um, this is going to be an election where I think the public's going to be more stymied than ever mm -hmm. about how to vote. Um, you know, for those who don't remember, there was a long period in Vancouver history where you either voted Cope or NPA mm -hmm. or uh, NPA and Vision. You basically had two choices. Uh, now we've seen Vision disappear. NPA is. Um, I hesitate to say life support, but um, <laughs> you know, is 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 really struggling, and they've got all these new parties with new names that don't align with anything provincial, provincially or federally, and where you almost have to be a Talmudic scholar to figure out where on the political spectrum are these people. How do I make this align with my values? Did you know that Francis can read minds? Because that was my answer. <laughs> you stole it. Word for right word. From my word head. for word. Um, no, I mean, I, I'll, I'll echo sort of the points made by both Francis and George here. I think 2018, that election was about who is going to fill the void left by Vision Vancouver. 2022, I think it, the election is going to be about who is going to fill the void left by the NPA and Vision Vancouver. Because I don't think that first question was really settled. Because what we saw on the progressive end of city council results was an independent mayor, one one city councillor, and uh, one co councillor, and three greens. And so I don't think that we have that 
easy choice anymore of NPA versus Vision or NPA versus Coke. And so it's not even about, you know, blowing up the, the arena. It's about carving out new battle lines. And I don't know if it's going to be resolved. Um, but what I do think, and I think it's best epitomized by juxtaposing forward together Vancouver and the and ABC Vancouver, because I think both really want a majority on council. They're the only two parties really pushing that that idea. And just we for want people who don't know, Forward Together yeah. is the mayor's party. Yes. Yeah. ABC is the one headed by Ken Sim, who um, came within 900 votes of winning the mayor's seat against Kennedy Stewart last time. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so I think these two parties are the only ones that are positioning themselves as we want a majority on council. They're not talking about a coalition or anything like that. Um, they're, they're playing for keeps. And so I think because of a very uh, a myriad of factors, including election finance, which we can get into later, um, we have a very anarchic uh, system of anarchy in terms of <laughs> Vancouver politics right now. Let's go back to your comment, Francis, about uh, voters being stymied uh, by the various, there's so many different parties to choose from. George, you mentioned that it's actually, the number count is actually maybe a little bit lower, but because there's so many different parties, mm -hmm. let me just speak to the voter turnout in the last election. So let me work our way backwards. Uh, in 2018, voter turnout was only 39%. In 2014, it was 42%. Mm -hmm. In 2011, it was 35%. In 2008, voter turnout was only 30%. In your opinion, where do you think we're going to sit on voter turnout this, t this time around? I mean, I'm tempted to say it'll be lower because people will be more confused. But if those two main parties that Mo uh, identified can really get going on some issue like housing or, uh, you know, crime or, you know, how the city's being run, and if they can hammer that message and get people excited about one or the other. I don't think that's the problem. Excited is not the word that any, we can ever use for this election. These candidates are so boring. Yeah. I mean, I this agree. this election, I think, is one of the most well, boring. Who, what? who do you want back? Larry Campbell? Is that, well, is that's, that what you there, want? There's no excitement. But uh, you <laughs> even like, you know, Gregor at least had, you know, some of charisma that people... Uh, but but I think what, if people care enough, like if you look at 2014, that was the last term that Gregor ran, and Kirk LaPointe ran for the NPA, mm -hmm. and I think people were fed up, uh, you're starting to be fed up with vision. Um, the NPA, you know, it, it didn't run the most perfect campaign, but it got people excited about maybe tossing these people out, so the, the turnout went up. Well, they also both and spent... And there was a clear choice. Well, they both spent $2 million as well on advertising. <laughs> yeah, but they also the last spent $2 election. million in the previous election. Oh, I know, but... So, they, George, they, do you think we're going to have a lower voter turnout than we had in 2018? Oh, yeah, it's going to be terrible. I think the question I get asked all the time is because, of, of course, I was in office. Well, you know, who, do you, who should I vote for? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, that's, and people don't know. They're going, they all seem kind of meh. And so I think that makes people go, you know, maybe I won't show up. But I also think that Kennedy Stewart hasn't resonated in, in, in a way that people wanted him to. But I don't think it's enough for people to, you know, be angry enough to go vote for somebody else. They'll just not show up. His, he's going to have the most challenge getting his people out because they're, they're kind of mad at him and so they want to punish him. Uh -huh. But they don't want his competitors to win. So it's a weird dilemma I think we're going to be in. Um, when I look at the messaging I'm seeing from these mayoral candidates, I'm seeing things like a road tax conversation or planting trees or every party tells us, with the exception of team, I guess, who's going to build the most amount of housing. Um, so my question, I'm going to write these down, is I'd like each of you to tell me what you believe 
are the biggest issues that voters are going to be thinking about going into this election. Do we have not, to limit not, ourselves? Yeah, like yeah we're going to limit ourselves. Yeah. I'd, like I'd, like I'd like us to get down to three. Okay. Three subjects that we think voters are top of mind. What's the consensus here? What are the top three things that... You want me to go? I, okay, well, so I, I would say housing and yeah. you know housing affordability, obviously number one. Number two, I would probably say crime and social disorder. I feel like that, certainly in the downtown core and uh, neighborhoods like Yale Town, that is a huge issue. And then third, um, I, I was hesitant to say this one, but I think, and, and, it, and I looked through Mario Canseco's data, uh, research co just did the most recent, I think, polling, yep. property taxes, because it, it, it hits as like the number one topic for people who are 55 and older, for the boomers, and they are, a a very reliable demographic in terms of voting. So right. in terms of number three, you know, I, I would put that over other other issues. So I think property tax is number three. Over planting trees. Yes, 100% <laughs> over planting trees, okay. yeah. George, what are your, do you, are you in line with any yeah, of these? Yeah, I think housing is always the number one issue, even though okay. it's something the city really can't do yeah. a lot about. And affordability kind of fits into that. And, you know, the crime thing seems to be hot. I think the crime thing, though, will resonate mostly, as Mo said, with the downtown core, which I think the turnout generally in the Yaletown area uh, and Coal Harbor is generally quite low, uh, but it's co quite conservative. And so I think mm -hmm. it's an opportunity, and it's a lot of people that live there, but the, the turnout's usually 15% in the downtown core. Uh, you might see a surge for that uh, community if, they can, if the right candidate can resonate on the crime thing. But I don't think the crime thing matters to people across the city. It's yeah. not as the hot issue that people feel like, but I think that we feel it is. I think housing, yeah, for sure. Housing. I think affordability, you know, the whole crime and into the drugs and the downtown east side and cleaning up our city what you know what is that how will, how will that work would be the third one but it's kind of coupled with crime i think they're very close together um okay and none of these are potentially even solvable by any yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no that's just as for, usual. yeah no we're just trying yeah. to narrow narrow down to three yeah. francis what about you what are, you, what so are your thoughts so obviously housing but okay. it's going to be how are you going to do, do the housing thing are you going to um uh, advocate for big supply are you going to claim that gentle density is going to solve everything uh, what's your solution for homelessness versus yeah. like middle class housing because mm -hmm. those are different issues so uh whoever you know it's going to be so we'll, we'll make housing one yeah one no, topic definitely for sure. are you agreeing the crime yes. is another one no i i mean i think how i would frame it is recovery from the pandemic because the pandemic changed uh, the way the city felt. You know, the downtown felt sketchier. Um, people who were homeless or poor were forced out into the streets because the coffee shops and the libraries and everything were closed. Um, the feel of the city changed. Uh, and also the businesses really suffered. Mm -hmm. They really took a hit. So um, those two are kind of wrapped together. They can be separate, but they're kind of wrapped together. And so I think someone who promotes, like how are we gonna make this city feel healthy and economically vibrant again, which entails dealing with some of the public order issues, mm -hmm. I would say. Right. Yeah. And then third, I would say it could be a choice between Climate change, there's a lot of people yeah. in this city who care about climate change. You know, we forget about that. Like, Vancouver is a pretty green city. 
Joyce Murray gets reliably elected on the west side because of her green cred. Um, you know, it's uh, Kennedy Stewart got elected because he went out and got himself arrested on the pipeline. Is that you know, that, I would yeah. say about climate change, I you know, we there is data to show that in economic downturns, climate change does not pull as high. Yeah. It's kind of one of those uh, privileged priorities yeah, for a lot I've of people. Always, so I, think, yeah. I just don't think in this I municipal it's, election it's going to play that much. We've got, we've got one of three right now. So I think the second one has to be, you know, you call it street disorder or social Crime order and the safety. Or safety. But, 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 the, but safety the takes many one. forms. It also uh -huh. takes perception, right? And, yeah. and, and this is... That's why it's hard to even call it crime. Like I was talking to a, a friend of mine who lives in Yale Town, and he said, you know, it's he, he was single before in the same place, and he said, you know, when you're single and you see someone passed out in front of your townhouse, you don't really think about it. But when you have, you know, a little kid, then suddenly it, it becomes a concern. Sure, that passed out person hasn't done anything, but now you're seeing it in a different light. And so I think a lot of it is also just the visibility of So what do you want to title it then? If you don't I would just call it uh, disorder, I guess. Like, yeah. I do agree Social with Francis disorder. that the third, I think it's a good conversation to talk about the, the environment because it was something that Vision built its entire legacy on and it was effective. And I think the question really is about the, mm. it's how it can be the undoing of a political party. Right, because the road tax discussion yeah, that's all is all, that's mm -hmm. from the climate yeah. Yeah. Uh, change emergency yeah. response yeah. plan. We've yeah. agreed on housing for sure. I think we're good to go with the environment because I do agree mm -hmm. it's a very, mm -hmm. uh, you know, progressive, uh, green, we're out here and I always call it the hippie West coast and I grew up here, so I don't mind calling <laughs> it that. So let's just stick to those two for now. Okay. Let's go back to, let's go back to sort of the big picture. First of all, um, one of my questions is around the parties, cause there are all these new parties, as you folks have mentioned, is there any one particular party that you feel has really pulled away from the pack? If you think of this in a form of a race or has fallen behind? People are going to start accusing me of being their paid agent, but I think it's ABC. Like you just look at ABC their ABC is ahead or behind. Is behind. Sorry, is is ahead. Is ahead. Is, okay. I think, and and the reasons why I'm saying that they're ahead is you look at sort of the events that they're having, and it genuinely looks like people are having fun in terms of, you know, I, I'm I'm not calling Ken Sim a charismatic leader by any means, but in terms of a certain energy, I think they are capturing that. I think they've successfully tapped into certain formal and informal organizations in terms of their organizing. That's the name that I hear in my circles. And again, I obviously have blinders in terms of people I associate with, but ABC, Ken Sim, that's the name that okay. consistently comes up. So I think it's- And any it's that have fallen behind in your view? In your view? Uh, These are all the parties Well, Kennedy, Kennedy continues to fall behind. Um, vi the vision, the idea yeah, of their- yeah, well, the NPA, 100%. Yeah, sorry, they're so far behind. I called that back in April. I'm, you know, that's that's way back there. Uh, Vision Vancouver, I think, Francis said they're not quite on life support, but you believe they're... Oh, they're dead. It's they're, done. They're dead? It's done. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it, they'll be lucky if they get Melissa's seat, uh, Melissa DiGenova's seat, yeah. I think. Uh, and I think as the time as time goes on, that's seeming less and less likely, but still very possible that she wins her. George, any parties you see that have really pulled ahead of the pack well, or fallen This is behind? why elections are interesting, because there's it's like a horse race, right? You have things come and go, and you had team surging, and now you've got an ABC surging. But we haven't even seen Kennedy Stewart, what, what kind of budget he has. We've, see, we've seen some documents about how much money he's raising. So what's he going to do? And it's it's really about you know a momentum. Right now, I, I agree with Mo, ABC has some momentum. I think team has fallen behind. Um, but I think uh, it's 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 forward Vancouver's to lose. I think situation. team is maxed out. Like I don't know if yeah, they're yeah, falling no, behind, but they're just like. But they had some momentum, and then they they, they kind of capped out. You're right, but yeah. I think that forward Vancouver really has it's theirs to lose in my mind. They really, 
it's a incumbency for the mayor. Uh, you know, they they have the the sweet spot for that for sure. I think they were disappointed with the slate rollout, like the reception to that. They were disappointed with some of their pl their platform plank rollout. Like they haven't really had any jolts yeah. of energy Four or anything to, go. to hang on to. I would to. just um, point to two parties that aren't running mayoral candidates, but who could be very crucial on council. And one is one city. Yeah. Who currently has Christine Boyle. Yeah. Oh man. It's, yeah. She's it's, got a big following. A big following, and I hear that she doesn't uh, register that high in the polls. So I'm very curious whether they're going to. I think she'll get reelected because I think all the incumbents just have an yep. advantage mm -hmm. in such a Although they messy, don't put that in the ballot anymore. crowded field. But in a messy, crowded yeah. field, name recognition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Cope, uh, no, not Green. Cope, uh, Green, Green, because I think they're done. They're getting they wiped out. So. had some funny votes, like Adrian uh, for sure, Adrian Carr, but. Um, you know, they voted against each other on a few housing things. But, you know, the young urban crowd were kind of choked with some of their anti-housing votes. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, and started saying, are, are you people really green? And you could see the Greens trying to move over. The, I think the Vancouver Greens have a lot of built-in name recognition. You look at their results in 2018. They did not run a particularly sexy campaign. Their value proposition has always been somewhat ambiguous. And I think people just vote on the perception of this is a party that cares about climate change. But a lot of their votes are from people that are not necessarily following Vancouver politics in the way that, that we would. So I just don't see the Greens collapsing. They might not be first and second anymore, but um, I still see a couple of their guys getting onto council. Okay. Um, going back again to Francis, you mentioned Christine Boyle. My next question is, Aside from the parties which we just discussed, are there any particular candidates, and it sounds like you'd say Christine is one of them, any particular candidates that in your mind really stick out either positively or negatively? So the problem is, no. I think people are going to end up voting largely by the mayor and the brand. Uh, and then they'll vote for whoever is along. Because as far as I can tell, they haven't been on a public committee. I haven't yeah. seen them speaking at council. Right. They're very nice people who I'm sure do wonderful things in their lives, but they've got like kind of zero name recognition. But you know okay. Brian Montag, you know Peter Meisner, you know Mike Klassen, like that. There's they're, one party they're the that most, is there's the, They're the ones that are most. And I would say Tessica Truong, sure. who almost yeah. beat Michael Lee and yeah. Langara. Uh, yeah. She was a good get for Forward Together. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, there was uh, Leslie Bolt, maybe from Vision, yeah. but that's a long no, shot. Vision, yeah. uh, but the rest of them. So okay, so your answer is in sim simple terms is no. There's no candidates that you no, see. No, and really. Bill Thielman. Bill Thielman. Other than, yeah. Other than from, you mentioned earlier, from, Christine Boyle. You yeah. think that maybe she's got that? Well, uh, I think Christine. Yeah. Sarah Kirby Young, Ray, uh, Rebecca Bly, Lisa Dominato. They they all come in with some good coattails. Yeah. Right. Okay. George, how about you? Do you oh, think that, George, is George are there, no, are there I, any I, candidates? I see his it's face. In, regardless of what <laughs> yeah, party they're with, are there any individual candidates that, uh, in your view, um, are presenting themselves in a very positive or negative light? Well, I, I think the Rebecca gets the gets the gets the the, the confusion vote for the uh, Sarah Blythe and Rebecca Blythe. She gets that little extra b bump there. Uh -huh. I think Jean will have oh, no problem. I never thought yeah, about that. Yeah, no, I that. think she got an yeah. extra few thousand votes in the last election. I think that Jean will get in again. I think people will just throw the. She's like the, you know the the protest vote. Yeah. it's good to have her there, um, and she doesn't have to do much. But uh, there are no. I think that one of the challenges is if you look at this, the the parties running any more than five people are really doing it themselves a disservice. Mm -hmm. NPA adding, while Mike Klassen's, you know, fair, as far as, you know, name recognition might be a good addition, 
but what happens with this vote when you because I've seen the math I've been a part of this math many times in politics uh, civically here is is that there's this magic thing that happens terrible thing that happens after five candidates if you start doing six and if you do seven and if you do eight it's even worse but basically what happens is that nobody really wants to vote for an entire slate and if they were oh, is that right? so they, what they do is they'll do six is the sort of six or seven of a party mm. and then they'll start saying I want to have four random yeah. the problem is who are those six votes and so what happens is you water down if you're running seven or eight you water down all of your candidates because they because it's random well, see, and, yeah. and I'd love your opinion on this I'm just gonna take over yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I feel like the, the kind of the left progressive side is cannibalizing themselves because between mm. among forward together green one city vision and Cope, you've got 18 candidates. And I would right. say progress is pushing into that lane. And as progress well. also yeah. pushing into that. So you've got they're 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 eating each other. They're cannibalizing each other's votes. And again, if nobody knows who these candidates are, no one has an. I know, but advantage. here's the math. Look at the math here. They got four Vancouver running six. One, two, three. Okay, four, you're not five, supposed six. to do your. No, no, and then you got one city running yeah. four. This is intentional. This is an alignment. They are working together, <laughs> one city and forward, to ensure they get all ten seats. That's their goal to oh, get get ten seats I on council. They the, talk. Like they've talked to each other. They've made that plan. I Let's go to Mo here for a right. second. Mo, yeah. what about in your opinion? Is there any single candidate that's pulled ahead, or is is there any single candidate that's you know, really got a positive opinion out in the market there or a negative opinion that's is not doing yeah, very I mean, well? Not, no one person I think has, has, has broken out. I think in terms of performance, I find Ken Sim to be very fascinating. He loses the 2018 election by less than 1,000 votes. Yeah. Immediately, doubles down, he's going to run again, right? He is committed to this. In four years, this guy does virtually no media training. Like, he is not good <laughs> on television. He's not good on the stick. He's just, it's weird. And so you've kind of had him, and to John Cooper's credit, even though I don't think John Cooper was particularly charismatic either, John Cooper had positioned himself as the reply guy. So anytime something happened at city council, you get a clip from Kennedy or someone yeah. else or Christine, and then you get John Cooper as the reply guy giving his opinion on why right. you know, what city council yeah. is doing is terrible. He did a good job positioning himself like that, unfortunately didn't resonate for him. Whereas with Ken, like he should have been trying to get into yeah. that reply guy spot, 100%. you know, in 2019, he right should have been that guy. He yeah. hasn't been that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure what the strategy is now. However, what I'm starting to see, and I, I think, you know, credit to uh, Kareem Alam, who's probably the second best organizer in, in, or political strategist in the province, second to, to Katie Merrifield, of course. <laughs> um, but I think what they're doing with Ken now is that they're being very judicious about where he goes. He's only in a debate if Kennedy is in the debate. Uh, he's only doing media that he wants to do. So you had that incident with the Chinatown guard who asked uh, Kennedy Stewart, oh, can I take you on a tour? Stewart's, you know, terrible move, says no. Who's right in there to jump in? Ken Sim. That's right. an easy media hit. You get some good good graces in the, in the public. And I think they're being very careful with how they're building him up because they know his weaknesses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a kind of a confounding candidate in that he did not work on that aspect of his candidacy. Yeah. Parties have started rolling out these candidates that are proclaiming that they alone have answers to solve these uh, magical problems of, or these magical uh, solutions to these problems such as homelessness, housing affordability, climate change, we can talk about safety, 
And many of these issues seem to span across, obviously, all three levels of government. There's a lot of talk about downloading of uh, responsibilities to the municipal level. When it comes to these municipal uh, politicians we're hearing, namely around the, the big uh, you know, four mayoral candidates, have these local politicians kind of lost the plot when it comes to what they're responsible for and what they should be talking to the electorate about? What happened is the real, the, things changed with Vision Vancouver when they really started pushing to, to solve issues like homelessness and housing. And mm. they changed the, 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 the messaging, the way local politicians in Vancouver anyways uh, consider how they, they, what they do and they can't do these things. And so now you're stuck in this nightmare of making promises you can't possibly keep, but you know that the electorate care about them. So like housing, this is our still the number one issue. And that sort of started really with Vision Vancouver. And they've, that continues to I don't to know why day. you keep saying cities can do nothing about housing. Well, Their I number mean, one job is land use regulation. Yes, but, they, 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 but people want stuff built. Like, and so yes, they, you can argue the, the land use for sure and speeding up the process, but people want to see stuff built immediately. And they want to, and where's that funding coming from? And what happened with Vision and what well, continues, what if, $400 million of the capital budget is for housing. And we where's all that housing? It hasn't it, been built. It is very slow. Like I've written yes. about it, all the so, social yeah. housing yeah. problems. Um, towers that were promised four years ago and they're still uh, you know in um, development permit stage or something like that but they don't build things but, generally cities but don't the, build the whole things. thing is there is this thing weird thing going it's not weird I'm sorry uh, there is this thing going on where people are saying oh my god the city is taking on way more than its core responsibilities I think yeah the downloading what, concept what was the 129 million is spent every year at 329 somebody came up with a report yeah. oh the city did about how much they're spending on what should really be provincial mm. and federal responsibilities yes the reality is if they don't spend it watch out what the city looks like and this isn't happening just in Vancouver like I talked to well, the, I, I the agree. Look, Burnaby didn't mm -hmm. do it, and Kelowna. their city's way nicer than Vancouver. I mean, Derek Corrigan lost his election in part because of this, because he said, I don't do housing. That's not my thing. I'm not putting my money. I'm going to save our money. I, we build community okay, centers. Okay, but if everyone we did this, that, we, we cut the grass. Work. You go to Burnaby, it looks way nicer than Vancouver because they didn't do. He said no to those things, whereas Vancouver kept saying, yes, yes, yeah, we'll take care if, of it. And the province it, is like, oh, thank you very much. Take it, take it, take it. If thank everyone you. did it, it would be chaos. And, you know, a lot of cities, they are putting money in because they're having trouble. Kelowna, Fort St. John, Nanaimo, you know. Cities have to say no. Stop it. That they have is to so say no. That's ridiculous, George. <laughs> that is to. like the dumbest no, thing I not. think I've ever heard you no, say. No, it's not. <laughs> City, no, they have to. You have to push back on the government. You have no, the federal That's what Sam Sullivan to. and his whole NPA crew did. No, no we're not going to take on any provincial responsibilities. You have to push we're going to let people be homeless. It, it, like, Mo, what are your thoughts yeah, on I this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. I think each party engages in some form of signaling to the electorate, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what we're about. And if you if you are in, inclined to you know fight climate change, vote for us. Like, that, every party does that on some level. I think the reality is, obviously, there are gaps in terms of services provided by the province and uh -huh. by federal government. This Huge gaps. Been, this has been happening for a while now. And I would probably lean towards Francis's side of saying... If it's happening in your community, ultimately you do have to bear some responsibility. Now, the reality is when we talk about these systemic issues, including crime, including housing, including climate change, certainly, uh, you have one of two options, really, when you're in municipal government. The first is you lobby to senior levels of government, so you write a letter. 
uh, which is usually pretty ineffective, right? Like, you're not really doing much. You're just asking for something. Mm -hmm. And the second option that you have is uh, that you can try to do it yourself, which is usually going to be inadequate because you as a municipal government only have certain levels of taxation and where you can raise money from. Mm -hmm. The... I, I'm actually doing a presentation for um, what was called Metro Vancouver. It's called Regional Employer Services now. But there's an interesting case that we can look at where you look at the city of Terrace, who wrote this letter to the province uh, talking about re- repeat offenders. The letter did not get responded for five months. It, it, there's like nothing in it on the media. I really had to dig deep to make sure this actually existed. Um, you know, it didn't get any attention. So they went alone. They went the advocacy lobbying route. You juxtapose that to the Urban Mayor's Council that put out a letter, very detailed. It was all these mayors coming together mm-hmm. in a collaborative approach, you know, approaching the province saying, here are our issues. That got a lot of media, got yeah. a lot of attention. It put the issue on EB's desk. It put the issue on mm-hmm. the public safety minister's desk. And ultimately, I think for um, municipalities to tackle these systemic issues, they do have to work collaboratively. 100%. But I think they also obviously have to have a role in the solutions that are provided. So you can't complain about, you know, unaffordable housing if you've added nothing to the housing supply. Mm-hmm. Like there, there I, is a I, so, I so let's if that's hundred percent. Well, you're that's in, in, you know I know it's the dumbest thing I've ever said. <laughs> but let me continue. <laughs> I, I just want to make it clear that George but, is very smart. <laughs> <laughs> but take let's take but let's like they take this back. So that's a great point, Mo, and you seem to be agree, mm-hmm. agreeing, George. But let's take this back to this election. We're still, in in my opinion, uh, early days in a high inflationary environment. I'm going to kind of plug in my sort of financial view of the world. So I don't know that uh, by the time this election comes, whether the cost of living is really something that resonates with people. And I'm not just talking about the cost of housing. I'm talking about even going to the grocery store. And as you pointed out there, Mo, earlier, you said, you know, people worry about the environment. You know, I know I've always said that people worry about social justice and environment when they've got money in the bank. So I don't know if this is going to be a, a big enough topic or consider, consideration for voters going to the polls in basically 30 days' time. But let me reference a couple of quotes from my interviews with Mark Marison and Colleen Hardwick when they were on Coastal Front earlier about this election. Mark said a city hall, he sees the current city hall as being paralyzed around dealing issues around affordable housing. Colleen Hardwick said over the last 14 years, she's watched the city through its business and financial model make it more expensive for residents to afford to live in Vancouver. And she referenced things like not just property taxes, but even the little things like the cup tax. Do you believe either one of these two candidates or Kennedy Stewart, Ken Sim, or Fred Harding actually can convince voters that they are the ones who are going to be able to help improve the cost of living? I'm not just talking about affordable housing. I'm talking about overall cost of living because that's at the end of the day. When When we start to see prices go up, that people are going to start looking at their politicians first and they're going to start tossing the ones that are in power for new ones who give them hope. I think this is why Pierre Polyev is getting some traction because people are seeing their cost of living. One of the reasons. So I think Ken yeah, Sim has convinced people that he will make it easier to do business in Vancouver. And okay. so whether it's a retail space or office space or whatever, I think the way he's tapped into the business community, he certainly made that sell. I don't think, first of all, I don't think but that, anyone- that's can, not, voters don't. Like no, that's fair. The business community Business community about cares about yeah. that. No, I, know but, business. I haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> But in terms you of just- You love ABC, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you I just think they're surging. I think they're surging. <laughs> uh, I do think they have some issues, but I think they're surging. Um, in terms of like affordability, no, none of these candidates can really do anything to fix it. However, you will see, you know, some wedge issues around the bag tax and the cup tax, and that's that type of thing come up. 
Is anyone making a strong pitch for making things affordable where it's really persuasive? I don't see it. Um, I but think maybe it comes I'm back to the affordability to... issue on housing. It always comes back to housing, and that's the only thing that when you talk, when when you hear Mark Marison, his big thing is it's a supply and demand sure. situation, right? His 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 whole thing, and you have, then you have Colleen Harvick saying, "No, we've already zoned all the space we need to build on," and th this is you know, and I've got my two kids in my tw in their twenties who live in basement suites and kits, and they're paying yeah. like eighteen hundred dollars for these really not very nice basement suites, and yeah. and you know, but they're happy because they got them for eighteen hundred, and you're like, and they don't have any. They, they have no feeling that they're ever going to be able to own something. Yeah, and certainly that's a pretty common feeling amongst young people. They, that's how, that's yeah. how they see affordability. But for, for me as a business owner, I look at my taxes, Well, then let's I talk about housing, guys. With the, I want, let's spend some time on this. This is one of the key topics we want to talk about. It seems to be something that we all agree on. Voters are going to be thinking about it when they go to the polls, and it's probably going to become more talked about as we lead up to October 15th. So why don't we take the housing sort of concept and break it down into a couple categories? First one I want to talk about is homelessness. Okay, that's, I mean, the first level of housing is just getting people into shelter and out of a tent or off the streets. Is this a uh, issue that voters are going to be thinking about when they go to vote, about the homelessness in the downtown east side? Well, that goes to the crime issue and the, and the, and the street. Mm -hmm. that, that, that fits together more to me than on the crime issue than the housing issue, okay. weirdly, um, I think, for voters. And I think Although that, I think it's somewhat unfair to bundle them together you know um, yeah but every homeless the, the, person the is a criminal but no, 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 no but i'm saying from the voters point of view <laughs> from the voters they, they don't put the housing file and the homelessness issue it's weird but i think they see that as disorder now because of what's been going on on the downtown east side there's tents on the parks the tents on the street they're seeing this as a as a administration issue when you talk about good governance mm -hmm. you talked about you know how we manage our city that's more about that issue. Housing, as you also said, it's about zoning. It's about how do we get stuff built as fast as possible? Mm -hmm. How do we administer well, that? See, that's, I would, and I would agree. I don't think people look at housing on a spectrum. They look at their housing and yes. where they are. Well, that's why I'm trying to create housing. three yeah. categories. Yeah. So I, I look at like homelessness, which obviously most mm -hmm. voters are not homeless when they're, you know, they're, but they know it's an issue of the, of, of, of the city and the province. Mm -hmm. There's people like your kids, George, who... Uh, they're not also probably thinking about how I can't get a permit to do a build, uh, you know, a four-story <laughs> building. They just want to be able to get a, a half-decent basement suite or somewhere mm -hmm. to live for less than 2000 bucks a month. And then there is the small few people who are not going to really affect the vote, I don't think, that are the builders, right? I mean, they might be yeah. able to sway it in the way of making donations for campaigns mm -hmm. and billboards. Mm -hmm. So going back, with respect to, like, the majority of voters, the people who are going to elect this next city council and mayor, when we talk about homelessness, is this a big factor right now? Or is it more about that middle group, the, 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 the 20 and 30 year olds that are struggling? Well, I, I think homelessness always means something to people in Vancouver, even if it's not in their neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. Larry Campbell in 2002 got elected because people thought what was happening in the downtown east side was shameful. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's a really good chance that, you know, the tents all along Hastings Street will someone could capitalize on that and say this is shameful this is shameful that a city as rich as vancouver has this and if they could come up with some specific solutions you know like i'm moderating a debate for chinatown and they're saying would the city consider setting up um, a kind of a regulated encampment because everyone is saying we don't have housing to put them in it's right. coming we're, we're, we're trying our hardest. We're rolling it out. In the meantime, we don't have anything. So they're getting chased from park to park. I see them all the time. Oh, the tents are here in this one today, ungone tomorrow. 
and so I think people care about that issue because morally they feel it's mm -hmm. wrong for a city like this. And then some people Would care because they don't want it in their neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, you think, do you think homelessness is, a, is something that people think about when they go to vote uh, for a municipal election, or at least this one? Not unless the mayor running for mayor says he's going to end it. Uh, <laughs> okay. And that was a very effective tool for him. And I'm going to push back on 2002 on, on Hillary Campbell. That election, to bring it to, to today's thing, this vote on the right was split. There's two parties, NPA separated out. There's two parties running on the right. They split the vote. And Cope won that election in a landslide because of that split on the right back then. What split? There's a great BC history 18. lesson. I love this. <laughs> oh, no, no. They had like, Anyways. people were sick of uh, the NPA. They'd ruled for umpteen years. <laughs> Campbell had gotten in provincially. And the city swings the other way from whatever the province is. Okay, so let me ask you this. When it comes to housing, regardless of you know whether they're talking about homelessness, getting big projects done, or... The 20-year-olds trying to find a basement suite. With respect to so many different parties and four or five different mayoral candidates, who, in your opinion, is winning on this file right now on this on this topic? Who's winning right now and who's not? Well, I would say the housing experts like one like what they've seen so far of one city in Progress Vancouver, uh, because they not only came up with saying we want more supply, which you know everyone except Colleen Hardwick is going to say. Uh, but they had some specifics. Where is it going to go? You know, Mark Marison said around schools. Um, he would ensure that seniors um, develop um, complexes would be allowed anywhere in the city without some fancy rezoning. Uh, Christine Boyle, both of them talked about allowing apartments everywhere in single-family zones. Like Kennedy Stewart has a housing policy that's an, a gigantic number, 220,000, is it, in 10 yeah. years? And everyone yeah. I know who owns a hammer is like, how is he going to do this? It's like Saskatchewan. more than... He's going to build them in Saskatchewan. It's more than, <laughs> yeah. it's more than double current production. I would say, I'm going to be a, a contrary. I think the, the party that's winning on the housing issue is actually Colleen Hardwork and team because they've defined... The anti-housing housing strategy. Well, yeah, and yeah. That's their that's their thing. Okay, that's mine was of the pro-supply party. Okay, but I, yes. yeah. But yeah. the question is because the other parties, their housing ideas aren't resonating. But Colleen's housing idea is resonating, and it's pretty much all she's got. I said that already. <laughs> so competitive today. I know I'm being such a meanie. George, who lifted off Francis, uh, I agree with that, and I, 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 I was like going to go I that like direction that we as agree well. On that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, for all the reasons George said, I yeah. think that was a good answer. But, it, but in terms of the pro supply group, yeah, I mean, we've yeah. seen and the Mr. ABC, on it. you, like, what do <laughs> yeah. you think? Uh, what do you think ABC will come out yeah, with? Because no. both they and the NPA seem to sort They're, of waffly want to say more supply, but not too clear on how. Yeah, we don't. Do, we're not going to ruin your neighborhood. Yeah. And okay. I think we're, and I don't want to sound too, too snobby or, or nerdy about this. I think we're giving too much credit to the electorate that honestly doesn't have a lot of time yeah. to look into each it's policy a really good point, Mo. and how it works. Yeah. When people, right. when even in 2018 or in this election, when people say, "Oh, this person is going to build more housing," the question I ask them is, when we have a labor supply that's completely tapped. Uh, construction materials, you know, costs through the roof, land, land is obviously through the roof. Interest how much rates. more? Oh my interest God, rates, what I'm hearing about the impact. How much more can we build? What is the, yeah. and, and we've been, you know, building pretty close to record, uh, or at least record home starts. And so the question becomes, what is our capacity? No politician, 
on a city level, on a provincial level, has ever been able to give me an answer that the city of Vancouver or the province of BC can build at most X amount of homes. Yeah. We don't even know that. Yeah. So I tell people when you when anyone says we're going to build more supply, ask them this question: How much supply could we possibly build? They don't know. I, I think they're just, voters are looking at signals and cues for who they're going to vote for. Um, Colleen, Mark, uh, Colleen Hardwick's got the uh, NIMBY market wrapped up on the pro-supply. Sure, Mark and, and One City are, I think, have the most robust uh, plan. However, has it, are they really making traction with Vancouver voters? Mm-hmm. And they don't have, uh, One City doesn't have a mayoral candidate. Yeah, so by right. definition, they just don't get as much attention. I, I, mm-hmm. I will say, though, and this is to your comment earlier against me, but, you know, the and this is actually an argument in favor of what Colleen is, and team are saying, and this is true, is that the zoning is there for the significant housing that's already been approved. It was a lot of it was approved when I was there. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is the approval process now getting stuff built. And also, how do you get developers to want to build? It's not like yeah. you say, hey, come In build. A downturn. They don't, yeah, they, they just, it's not like the magic formula is not simple. You, mm-hmm. you can zone it, which it's zoned. Absolutely. Colleen's right. There's lots of zoned space to build the housing that even Kennedy Stewart's talking about. There's probably at least 150,000 units zoned, if not more, in the city. That, But if you, nobody wants to build it, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if those people well, who, I wouldn't who say the builders it, don't want to build it. No, but the builders, they, don't, they, want, the builders then, don't want to lose money because they can't trust Or they the, say, uh, it's too hard in Vancouver. I'm going to go to Chilliwack. That's exactly what's happening. And so that's what's happening. So yeah. knowing that, then let's just work as a region and talk yeah. about housing as a region. That's what we have to do. Okay, let's get into the environment because we also agreed that that seems to maybe or could be a, a big topic. Um, obviously, a name like the Green Party would be a natural win in this category, one city. But then, George, you think the Greens are going to get wiped out. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? I want to spend a lot of time on this because we have some other things to cover. But let's talk a little bit about the environment. Why don't we start with yourself, George? <laughs> Well, I, I think it's interesting because it's, it was such a huge issue for so long in Vancouver, and I don't think it's a big issue. What you know, I think it's weird with Ken Sims, you know, uh, his his whole thing about the road tax, which, in fact, actually could work quite well for Vancouver for us, um, but it sort of puts him in that whole anti bike lane category, which is not a winning formula for getting mm-hmm. winning in this town. I'll tell you, it makes you look like you hate the environment. So that's the question. You, if I was somebody, say to Ken Sims, so you don't care about the environment. But nobody's sort of asking that question. It's strange to me that that's not happening in this election. Nobody's pushing any of these politicians on the environment angle. I don't get that sense uh, that that's an issue to the voters. But I think it's something that is important to the voters. So it's weird. It's a weird Mm -hmm. election. It's not happening in a way that usually it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing I have seen people saying recently is that uh, how you build housing is is a climate change issue. You know, more infill is better than sprawl. Uh, and so I think part of the climate change issue is going to spill over into housing. Um, but there is the Climate Change Emergency Response Plan, which Council mm-hmm. voted unanimously to go ahead with. The, you know, all the engineers and planners are grinding away, doing what they think that they were told to that's, do. That's why we have the road tax concept. Yeah. It came from that. Yes. And, and also, uh, you know, a lot of people, it hasn't really registered with them yet, but no more... Uh, natural gas yeah, neighborhood, or neighborhood water, energy, water heaters yeah. and furnaces mm-hmm. and more huge. insulation required huge. and things mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. um, so I do think that that plan could, uh, you know, people can come out for and against it. Like it could be a bit of a talking right. point. 
Um, but instead, we're talking about the Broadway corridor. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> like that seems to be what people like. Certainly, team. Everybody's talk, like, I don't get. It's not. They're not talking about that though. They're not talking about mm. climate change. I don't. I don't hear it. I don't mm. hear it anywhere. I don't okay. think any party has particularly found the one at issue they want to run on yet. I think there have been parties throwing out bait uh, and seeing how that works, but I don't think we've necessarily seen the one issue. I well, think when the it comes NPA police calling housing, sure, or no housing, uh, sure. You know. So who's the climate change party? I mean, it's one city, and the, oh, but the Greens' record is so um, spotty, <laughs> so confusing. I, I'm not sure people really. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to the climate, I, I feel like for regular working Vancouverites, there is this disconnect, right? So there's this mm -hmm. disconnect where you're getting charged for a paper bag, uh, you're getting, you know, some of your tax money is going towards a a lawsuit towards big oil, and so to paraphrase or, or quote you, George, you know, there's a lot of bullshit cups of coffee around, <laughs> you know, fighting climate change, but which which can be fine and not a problem. But I think when you see parks that are not well kept or community centers yeah. that are falling apart, right, like that has more of an impact on people's day to day garbage pickup. How right. can we talk about the environment when there's not proper garbage pickup in right. this, throughout the city, right? Yeah. Like those things have to be done correctly first before you can really get people into um you know becoming a green city yeah well uh, well said to form a majority at city hall is you have 10 city council and a mayor and for most people that maybe don't know this every city council is always an even number and then you have a mayor mayor splits the vote so um there was a lot of uh whether you want to agree with his policies and a lot of things that got done under gregor robertson because he had a a majority uh, vote on on city council. Same thing that happened for many years in in Burnaby, if I recall, and other municipalities. Um, right now, we talked about earlier. We have Ken Kennedy Stewart. He has five people running for under his slate uh, under city council. Um, Ken Sim has, uh, by my math, seven people. Uh, Colleen Hardwick has six. Mm -hmm. Mark Marison has six. Fred Harding has six. What are the chances that any one of these candidates? Can secure a majority on city council. I think George. George. Go first. Well, I, I think that as I said earlier, that Forward and and One City are working together to, to uh -huh. do that. I think that it's really it's all you know it's what's the saying all boats float or whatever that saying yeah. is you know if if the leader can resonates then he'll take the rest of the people with him. I said so earlier. You think forward has a good chance. I think of well, and ABC, but ABC putting seven in is a bad idea. You saw that you just named all the six, yeah. six, 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 and yet uh, NPA is doing seven. That's a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. That really weakens their opportunity. That's it must be. I, I'm sure Kennedy Stewart's going awesome. I mean, they I, say I don't that, think either has a necessarily high probability, but that's what they're going for. Then is a majority, it's is, hard to get people who have egos to understand that you can't run 10 candidates sometimes, right. uh, to run six so or It's a good five. breakdown of that. I never thought yeah. of it. Oh, no. Is, and and is I it, actually always say to voters, don't vote for 10. That you might hmm. be voting, your 10th choice might be uh, help Yes, that's the, right. Your 10th choice Wait beat your, your first mm -hmm. choice. You can right. vote for two So if you only want. vote for, yeah, like the, the core thrill. people. Don't throw your vote around as though you're giving yeah. out Halloween that's a very powerful. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a very powerful mm -hmm. piece of advice. Yeah. You weight your vote is what, you know, you're putting yeah. all, you, you don't have to, all that vote, you don't give away right. to somebody else. Who yeah, that's interesting as well. Mm -hmm. I've learned, I, that's uh, something I never thought of before. Yeah. Is a majority uh, on council, school board, and park board, is that in the best interest of Vancouver? It's more efficient. I mean, I... 
after the four years that we went through in Vancouver, I think there's... The last four? Yeah. yeah. I think very this few... This is the dream council that everybody wanted. Remember, Francis? Everybody said, we need a mixed council. Enough of this mass majority. I mean, Vision had what was called a super majority for one term. That's where they had 100% control of everything from real estate. You have to have eight votes to control real estate. Yeah. They had eight votes for a term. That was such a super majority. But I do majority. think people would like to see enough cohesiveness that you can get one group that can set policy and get the six votes they need for it rather than this complete schmozzle. And then vote the bums out the next time if you don't like it. Ex yeah. 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 I mean, this is like a suburban... And also just the unpredictability of the yeah. parties, right? So you had, as we've talked about, the, Green, the mm -hmm. Greens kind of voting against each other. Certainly the NPA core, the five that were originally they elected, voted against each they other. were not consistent. Yeah. So yeah. having some sort of reliability and consistency... Couldn't have seen that coming based on what I know about those guys. Oh, man. Is... I'm gonna. This question's Mo's got to answer this one first. Oh, how real is uh, the threat of vote splitting? No, vote, vote splitting does not exist. It is a. It is political fan fiction. The only what? two. The only two type of people that talk about oh, vote. That's splitting. why I wanted to answer first. <laughs> the, I would never say something like that. The only two type. There's only two types of people that talk about vote splitting. One, it's. Um, politicians who are making excuses oh if so-and-so wasn't in the race you know i would have won if 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 you know i won silver but if the gold medalist wasn't in the race i would have won gold like yeah of course duh <laughs> the the second type of people to talk about it are people like us nerdy yeah. people wonky yeah. people that talk about it and what we're doing is creating fan fiction on a plethora so of assumptions so no, no, no. there's so <laughs> let, many let, let them finish let them finish and there's so George. many entitlement that if this person didn't vote for this party, they voted for another party. You look through, again, I'm, I'm going to cite, um, you know, Research Co. and Mario Canseco's recent polling data. He's looking at voters that voted Shauna Sylvester in the last election. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that they are most likely to vote for Colleen Hardwick. That is their number one choice. Mark Marison is their really? number two choice. Uh, number three is, uh, or most likely, I should say, is um, Ken Sim. Oh. And number four is Kennedy, because you would think that the Shauna Sylvester vote would just translate over to Kennedy Stewart not true hmm. and so this idea that you know how every individual ranks and and votes and you know that they'll even show up if if one candidate is out of the race it's it's silly we we might as well be sitting here debating uh you know who would win in a fight batman versus superman i would say to counter i think the shauna sylvester is a good analogy of, of a perfect example of vote splitting because uh mario's data aside to me, she represented the, the mushy middle, I call it, or the, the, the federal liberals in Vancouver. Sure. 35,000 votes that usually that never know what they're going to do. They, uh, they're kind of playing. They do NPA. They might, depending on the candidate, they might vote. You know, they might have voted Vision. They might have voted this. They, they're all over the map because they look at the leadership and they go, I, and they didn't like Kennedy. Squishy and they didn't like, liberals. Squishy liberals. And so <laughs> this election, though, that election, 100%, that, that decision by those people to vote for Shauna led to that tight race between Kennedy and Ken were 900 votes. Also, Ken Sims' decision to go line up and get a book signing with, uh, uh, with Chip Wilson was about 5,000 votes he lost right there. But uh, <laughs> I would say I that those 35,000 votes uh, are up for grabs this election. Look, you can assume that Ken Sim might get his 50,000 and Kennedy might get his 50,000. Where are those 35,000? I don't know if I agree with that. I think 
a lot of them will go for Kennedy because they're not going to want to go for Kim. Here's my other problem. How are we talking about vote splitting when voter turnout is under 40%? We're looking at this little small pie when there's this whole population that needs to be engaged. So this oh, idea of like, you're, you're stealing fantasy. votes from me. fantasy fiction. <laughs> you're stealing <laughs> votes from me. Well, your job is to engage the electorate. I'm not saying that's easy. You want to get the people <laughs> who vote to vote. That's not the ones yeah. who never vote. But you have this, no you point. have more people who can be tapped. <sighs> and so to complain, like, oh, if this person was in the race, I would have won. get them out. They don't come out. <laughs> if you're 25 years old, you just don't vote. They don't. If if, Francis, if, if everyone you? cleared the room, I'd be the smartest person in the room. Sadly, I'm, 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 I, I'm, I'm the not least gonna, smartest person I'm not going to weigh in like, on vote splitting. No. I just... Uh, it's I, fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it is the kind of thing that nerds like us love to talk about and get our little calculators out <laughs> and discuss. And uh, I... Yeah. So is it possible maybe that you know, it's going to be something much simpler than all this in-depth stuff we've been talking about and that when voters go to the polls on October 15th, it's going to be something really, really simple. But I think that's going to a lot of the points that I was making in terms of ABC's traction, in terms of what voters are looking at. Like, yeah, we can go through the policy and all this stuff, but I don't think voters are looking at it. Could I be wrong? 100%. I'm most most likely wrong. Undecided (laughs) vote based on all the polls are coming out. It's never been this high. It's huge. Uh, and that's curious. To, hmm. to well, me. but it's not because, as you we said at the beginning, the two main parties are out of the picture almost, and so they're everyone's trying to figure out how to realign and what do these names mean? You right. Know, where are these people? Do so you think the lower the, voter turnout benefits Colleen Hardwick and team? So let's say we get a abysmal voter yes. turnout, thirty percent, twenty nine percent. Old old people will one hundred percent still show up. Yeah. They always mm-hmm. do, and that's not a derogatory statement. I, I mean, mean, I've heard that just older demographics. Yeah. yeah, we show up, and so Thanks if a you lot, have, a, if we if we have the base, <laughs> if your base shows up, that's key. Getting the vote out. This is where money matters. I talked about this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Not having the kind of money that these parties used to have to get their vote out is a real big problem. And so Kennedy Stewart, I imagine a big chunk of his budget, all the money he's collected, is all about getting his vote out. It's, that's what he, He's not going to put that much money into advertising. He's going to do about whatever it takes to get his vote out, whether it's dragging people like from the, their Like the homes. base that they already yes. have. Get right. them out. Their voter list. But and he's I, not going to meet those fundraising goals now. I'm pretty sure everyone on that list is not going to return oh, yeah. his calls. Will, uh, they'll, they'll double but them. in both <laughs> Surrey and Vancouver, them. I've had people say that there's so many candidates that you could see someone, more so in, in Surrey, uh, but you could see someone winning with like 27% of yeah. the vote, just edging out mm-hmm. someone else's 26 yep. or something like that. Like, I think it could be it, really it, well, well, It's so weird because Gregor Robertson in, in 2014 got 92,000 votes. I think. Crazy. Yeah. And, and Kirk got 82,000. Right. Oh, yeah. And then to the last election, the two front runners got 52,000 each. Like, yeah. what happened? Where so, did everybody go? Yeah. So is there a good chance in this election that if, say, for example, Kennedy Stewart were to win, he he might not have to have as many votes as in 2018 to be able to win this because. Oh of yeah. The, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because okay. I think Colleen Hardwick's party is stronger than some of the fringe parties that were running last mm-hmm. time. She's yeah. take she's eating more of the sort of uh, right wing vote. Okay, so we've come to the the apex of our conversation. Um, we are going to be uh, seeing Vancouverites vote in 29 days or before. Uh, we're ten, 29 days as of today uh, away from this election. So to keep things lighthearted, I thought we could do a little wager. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got our jar here. Did you guys each bring your $22? Sure did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, All right. Good. Oh, I got well, mine. Of course, this is this going is to charity, right? Yes, exactly. There we go. All right. So I'll put my, there's my $22. So that just to be clear how we're doing, we'll pass this around. Thank you. 
So it's a $2 bet for mayor and a $2 bet for each of the 10 city councillors conveniently gets us to a $22 bet for the 2022 election. We got $88 in the jar. I will start, these are just to be clear, these are not who you want to win, but who you believe is going to make up the mayor and city council. So I'll start with myself. I think Kennedy Stewart takes this for another win. And I think on city council, you are going to see Adrian Carr, Pete Fry, you're going to see uh, Melissa Diagenova, Jean Swanson, Christine Boyle, Rebecca Bly, Dulcie Anderson, Sarah Kirby Young, Bill Thielman, and Lisa Dominato. So you're saying that Weeb doesn't win. He'll be the only incumbent yeah. that doesn't win yeah. his seat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And obviously and Colleen think, won't win, but she's running right. for Right, so I think Dul Dulcie and Bill Thielman, Thielman are the two new city councillors okay. that come in. That's my call. Okay. Francis. Just because I know most going to say Ken Sim, and I felt like there needed to be balance, I actually think it's a wash in my head. <laughs> but Kennedy Stewart, and then Rebecca from ABC, Rebecca Bly, Sarah Kirby Young, Lisa Dominato, Mike Clausen, and Brian Montague. Uh, from Team, Bill Thielman. From Greens, Adrian Carr and Pete Fry. And from One City, Christine Boyle. Okay. George? Well, I mean, it's a million years away to this election, so anything could happen. It's going to get ugly for sure. I, I'm going to, at this, at, the, at this point, what I think, because I think it's going to go in towards Kennedy's favor uh, as the election gets closer. So I'm going to say Kennedy and all six of his candidates are going to get in. So they're going to have six Whoa, forward. He's going uh, big. Wow. Oh, wow. You, think, you uh, think every one it. of his six candidates are going to, yep. to, to make all it? Okay. Of them will win. Wow. Uh, and I think you'll see the protest votes will be Melissa. Pete, I think, might have a chance, Fry, hmm. uh, Christine Boyle, and Gene Swanson. Wow. Mm. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting. You're, hmm. Yeah, you're bolder than, <laughs> than we were. Yeah, Smoke. so my, my picks are actually very similar to Francis, and they have a, a similarity with you as well. So, yeah, I think Ken is going to be the next mayor of Vancouver. Ken? Ken Sim. Ken Sim, okay. Yeah, from ABC will be the next mayor of Vancouver. In terms of council, I think ABC will also pick up uh, the re-election of Rebecca Bly, Sarah Kirby Young, Lisa Dominato. I think they will also pick up Mike Klassen and Brian Montague. Oh. Uh, I also think the Greens will get two seats in Adrian Carr and Pete Fry. I think Christine Boyle from One City will win her seat back. I actually think Ian Cromwell from One City will win a seat. Mm. That leaves me with one spare seat, and I also think that Bill Tillman will be on city council. Okay. Wow. Well, so I, I don't so think close. we will I don't think we will be reelected, but yeah, our picks yeah. align quite very nicely. very similar. Yeah. <laughs> so to wrap this up for a little plug for each of you, Francis, you write for a number of different columns. You're also a, an instructor at UBC. Uh, I am a, a people say columns, but actually I'm a news reporter okay. uh, with a freelancer with the Globe and Mail. I have a real estate column in BC Business. I teach uh, uh, journalism how to look up criminal records uh, uh, to the, in the journalism school at uh, UBC. George? Well, I have my marketing agency, Curve Communications, but I also uh, do uh, 
podcast with Jody Vance called Unspun. And I am a fill-in at, C- at, Global, at CKNW, but I'm also going to be live on CTV with Diane Watts again on election night. So she and I will be the pundits. Uh, we won an award last time for our work. So, you know, <laughs> tune in to CTV for election night because uh, I think it'll be a f- it's going to be a fun night, especially su- watching Surrey in Vancouver. I think with her and I. Oh, there, it's going to be so interesting. Yeah. 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 No, fascinating. Mo, the yeah. most famous podcast in D.C.? <laughs> Uh, my podcast, Now Turn Television Show, is on primetime television on Check Thursday nights at 9 o'clock, following uh, the new Steel and Vance show, which just launched as well. Speaking of Jody, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I do. CBC uh, on the coast every second Thursday with Gloria Makarenko as well. And I don't know, I pop up here and there on, on different uh, venues when I can. So Yeah, great. Well, this has been a great discussion, very lively. Thanks, for folks, for coming. Mo Amir, George Affleck, Francis Beulah, thank you for taking the time to be on Coastal Front today and giving uh, listeners a, a little bit of flavor of what you see happening in this upcoming election. And, of course, if anybody wants to, they can log in to uh, watch uh, all these interviews that we've done on Coastal Front uh, during our election series, both the mayoral candidates and many, most of the parties that are running in this election. So thanks, folks, for being on today. Enjoy your Friday. Thanks thank for you. Thank you, Andrew. Okay.